And we pray now, dear Father, that you'll be with our study tonight as we get back in the book of Proverbs. We'll thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. All right, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs chapter 21. And uh, we've just been, you know, preaching through the book verse by verse. And uh, uh, a little over two years now we've been working on it and still got about nine chapters to go. And uh, so we'll just kind of see how this goes. Uh, but the title of tonight's message is Some Keys to Self-Maintenance. And, uh, you know, we might even say, you know, what I'm really talking about is preventive maintenance. I think we all know what that means. You know, you, if you do preventive maintenance on your house or on your car or some type of piece of equipment, uh, it uh, will keep it from uh, falling apart, you know. And, and uh, you know, some people do kind of tend to just drive their car till it blows up or quits. And and uh, where a little preventive maintenance might have kept some things from happening. And, of course, we're looking at that, you know, from a spiritual standpoint tonight. And so we're looking at some, some keys to self-maintenance. Uh, I have it on my notes. You can just listen. But First Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. And, and uh, so not only does it uh, godliness bring blessings to our life, uh, even in our life here on earth, uh, but certainly will have an effect on the rewards that we get in heaven as well. Now, it says that bodily exercise profits little. Uh, that doesn't mean that, that bodily exercise isn't important. Um, the Bible teaches us that if you're saved tonight, that your body is a holy temple. Amen. Uh, when you get saved, the Holy Ghost of God comes inside immediately. Uh, and so, um, you know, we, we think of this, our building, you know, a very beautiful sanctuary. Now, we know that God doesn't dwell in those chairs and in the carpet and in the walls. Uh, um, what I'm saying is there's, you know, this is just sheetrock and wood and material, uh, but it is God's house and we want to take care of it, right? Well, it's the same thing with our body. Uh, we do want to take care of our body, amen? Uh, and, and certainly, you know, I think it's important, um, you know, because your body is a holy temple. And just like we need to take care of the house of God, that is the church building, we need to take care of our own bodies as well. Uh, now, you know, uh, age does catch up with us, and that's just part of the aging process. But we know that our body is, is temporary. It, it only lasts a little while. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. And, and um, uh, some bodily exercise, you know, uh, compared to godliness, you know, certainly, you know, godliness is more profitable, though. That, that's what I want you to understand. Um, physical fitness, you never want to put that in front or elevate it, you know, above having uh, what we might even call holy fitness. I think sometimes people uh, over-spiritualize that a little bit. Uh, you know, as I get older, and, and some of you could probably understand this, you know, bodily exercise is important. I think it's important we take care of our bodies, eating right, uh, diet. You know, all those things are good. Uh, and certainly the diet and health industry, you know, is a booming business, amen. <laughs> and so, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And certainly there's a lot we can do to protect ourselves physically and keep healthy. And, and uh, certainly I'm all for that. Uh, uh, we need to do all we can within reason, without breaking scripture, to protect our bodies from a health standpoint. I think that that's important. And so, you know, that might be a little easier way of understanding what I mean by self-maintenance. Um, now, in like manner, uh, because it's so much more important, we have to protect our spiritual side as well. Uh, in other words, we can kind of take some of the same things we 
uh, might look at, you know, eating healthy, doing the right things. We certainly, there are things out there that we can participate in that are not good for us spiritually. Amen. Um, you know, I'm kind of a junk food junkie. Not so bad as I used to be. Uh, but, you know, I, I can. I, I can eat a big bag of chips in one setting. No problem. Okay. I mean, I have to stop myself. Um, and uh, popcorn, forget about it. I, I, I can never get full on popcorn. It just, it just keeps coming, right? And uh, so, so there's a lot of things out there that uh, we might like, but it's not good for us. And the same thing spiritually. You know, there's a lot of spiritual junk food out there, amen? A lot of spiritual junk food that's out there. And uh, just like to eat healthy, there are, again, certain foods we need to guard against. And, you know, um, we want to protect our body from those things, but it'll harm it. But, but Solomon's going to teach us tonight that, that wise people guard themselves against certain types of behavior, even sinful ways, um, uh, and guard against unrighteousness because it's just not good for us spiritually. Um, and so, again, we're looking at some, some keys to self-maintenance, preventive maintenance, and just four things tonight. won't take a lot of time uh, that we need to guard against, again, to protect ourselves spiritually, some, some self-maintenance, if you will. So, number one, we'll just jump right into this. Uh, number one, look at verse 20. We'll read the verse, then we'll give the point here. Verse 20 says, There is a treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Um, so number one, uh, be good stewards of the bounty uh, given you from the Lord. And if you look at verse 20 very carefully there, he's talking about uh, things. Uh, you might even say material blessings, treasure to be desired, um, and oil in the dwelling. That is, uh, the meaning there is that this stuff uh, uh, is, is stored somewhere. It's put up somewhere. Um, and so... Uh, we need to understand something. Now, to really understand this, I think we need to go ahead and go ahead and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Hold your place there in the book of Proverbs. But I want to look at a couple of verses as we look at this one because this is important. You know, we live in a, a day and age where I would just say that, that indulgence can be a problem for the believer. Amen? You know, we can, we can overindulge in things. Uh, we, can, we can have too much of a good thing, if you will. Uh, but let's notice, let's kind of set this first of all. Notice what Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 says. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 25. Of course, you realize this is the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, Jesus is uh, preaching a, a, you know, a message here by all accounts. And, uh, and we understand this is looking toward the kingdom age, but certainly we can glean a lot of things here that are, that are profitable for us. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus himself says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. And what he means by that, he explains, What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Uh, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Uh, behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? And certainly we are more valuable to God, right? Verse 27, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? In other words, you know, why are you fretting about things that God has promised uh, to give? Amen. Verse 28, and why take thought for the raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Uh, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon, all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, 
and tomorrow is cast into the oven, uh, shall he not much more clothe you? And there we have it, O ye of little faith. <laughs> That's our problem, right? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to know that God knows what you need? Verse 33, But seek ye first, and here's the key to all of this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for, your, for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And so God promises to meet our material needs. And we talk, there's clothing, there's housing, there's all food, all those types of things. Uh, some of the reasons why some people believe they can't be faithful to God because they have to do those things when God promises that he'll give those things. Our job is to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Put God first, amen? And so we, we understand that. But our problem, as I often say, you know, we... We always overcorrect, you know, us Christians. We, we, we go from one extreme to the other. And we always want to balance things out, certainly using the Word of God as our guide. And also in the Sermon on the Mount, if you'll go over to, to chapter 7, verse 6, you might not even have to turn the page, uh, it tells us that, that although God promises to meet our material needs, yet we're also to be good stewards of that which God blesses us with. In other words, He does bless us with material needs. And He says that in chapter 7, verse 6, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Um, and go ahead and turn back to the Proverbs 21 there. But we also know in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, God says to a lazy person, in other words, somebody who lays around, particularly in, in harvest time, uh, go to the ant, thou slugger, consider her ways, and be wise. The Bible says, you know, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat, those types of things. So we have all these things. God says, I'll take care of your needs. But certainly there is scripture that says that, that we need to be good stewards over what God blesses us with. Uh, and certainly it's important to have a good work ethic and all those types of things. And so what we learn is, again, God meets our needs as we seek Him first. But we go back to Proverbs 21 uh, that we just read there um, again uh, to be good stewards of what we have. And we notice there are some things that were kept in a dwelling. Uh, we're to be good stewards over that which what God blesses us with. Uh, now, we, we, we do this... Um, in other words, we always got to keep in mind that, you know, uh, we don't want to leave God's ministry out. We don't want to neglect the tithe, you know, those things that God commands us to do. But, but what I'm trying to get you to understand, uh, that it's, it's, it's not unbiblical, uh, it's actually wise to have things in store. In other words, there are some preachers that don't believe in it. In other words, it's, it's not unbiblical to have a retirement fund. It's not unbiblical to have a savings account, okay? That, that's, because that's what this is saying right here in verse 20. There's treasure be desired and oil in the dwelling place of the wise. Now, we have to remember Bible days. It wasn't always about money, but about supplies. Here's somebody that had some things in stock. He had some things on the shelf, okay? And so, so we're, you know, we're, we're not dismissing that, that you, know, you should never save anything and you know, those types of things. And so the wise man, he had some treasure, some oil saved up. And it wasn't because he was wealthy and he was laying up treasure for himself, but, but he had diligently saved. But foolish people, 
uh, they'll take their substance, they'll take God blesses them in some way with some type of material gain, and they'll use it on foolish things. God's not pleased with that. Um, uh, I, I, I kind of came up with a little title for this, and I won't spend this long on the rest of the points, but, but I come up with a little title for this. Um, I was sharing with somebody the other day about our daughter Layla. She is like the most frugal person you'll ever be around. I mean, she, she will spend hours looking for something, you know, if, and if she saves a dollar, she is absolutely just thrilled to death. <laughs> I mean, she pinches her pennies. She knows what's going on. She, she understands. I'm getting where I don't even like to go through a drive-thru like McDonald's or Wendy's or something because inevitably she has an app. I don't know what those things are, but she gets on her phone and, and she's talking and she's flipping things around. I'm handing her phone to the people. I don't know what they're doing with this phone. And then you come back and you get a free milkshake. And I'm like, well, that's great, but, you know, I could have been five miles down the road by now, you know. But, but she's thrilled about it, you know. So, so she's frugal. And uh, so that's good. That's good. And uh, so I do believe, though, uh, there's holy frugalness. Amen? In other words, uh, uh, using common sense. Certainly we need to be aware of what's going on. Saving up for those rainy days in life when things happen. That's not unbiblical to do. But, but not spending too much money that could go to the work of God. You see what I'm saying? In other words, spending a lot of things on frivolous things and overindulgences and those types of things when you know there are missionaries that are in need or you know there's a need somewhere. You understand what I'm saying? Now, don't take me wrong. God blesses with, with monetary blessings. He, hey, listen, He blesses us sometimes with, with monetary blessings so that we can enjoy things. Go on a trip. Uh, uh, pursue a hobby. Uh, do fun things, but as long as they are not our focus in life and, and nor cause us to violate Scripture and neglect the needs, you know, out there of others. And so that's what I mean by holy frugalness, I think, will help us balance all of this. And, and this is the way we are wise, again, saving for the unexpected, but also staying in the will of God. That's the key, right, is, is balancing these things. And certainly that is one key to self-maintenance. All right, number two, let's look at verse 21. Look at verse 21. Uh, the Bible says, He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness and honor. So number two, realize that true prosperity is based on righteousness and mercy, not on how much money or how much stuff you have. Do you hear that? That, that, that true prosperity is based on righteousness and, and, and mercy. Uh, as we read there again in verse 21, uh, 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 He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, and he findeth righteousness, and he findeth honor. That word life there is just talking about not your physical life, but it's talking about a good life. Amen? A righteous life. Uh, there's honor. Uh, when, when people consider you. I mean, those are wonderful things, right? I mean, I think that's, you know, something we should all desire to have, not to be, you know, to brag and, and those types of things, but certainly we want to have a, a good life. We want to live of righteousness and honor. And, and uh, I believe what God be trying to tell us tonight is that there are things, again, in this temporary world that can certainly be experienced and enjoyed, uh, things that, that a good Christian can be a part of, certain pleasures in life, 
Uh, certainly, you know, the good life. Uh, um, nothing wrong with that. But the thing is, is sometimes what we do, though, is we go after them using the world's methods. You know, in other words, uh, uh, if I want to live for God the way that I need to, in other words, I want to live a righteous life, then uh, I can't go around God in order to gain something, you know, that's pleasurable to me. You see, you're, you're getting it all backwards. Um, you can't go after them using the world's methods because even if you do get to experience in them, in other words, okay, yeah, you, you went around God, you got to do this thing, but they're, they're shallow and meaningless, <laughs> you know, because there's some sin connected to those things. So, you know, uh, how do we enjoy these temporal, yet good things uh, in this life? By first, following after righteousness and mercy. <laughs> you know, staying in the will of God. Go back to what we read in, in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Always put that first, uh, and you'll be fine. Uh, and mercy uh, here being used in connection with simply loving folks, you know, being good to people. And when we do that, we're truly going to enjoy the temporal blessings giving us, given to us here on earth. Uh, and I want to say that again, you know, uh, I hope we all have, have blessings here on earth. I hope that we all have keepsakes and sentimental things that are valuable to us. But let's be honest, folks, one of these days they're going to be melted with fervent heat. <laughs> Amen. I mean, I've got stuff that means the world to me, you know, stuff that reminds me of people that I love. Uh, but at the end of the day, they are just temporal, amen? And they shouldn't be what, what, uh, what motivates me, amen? Shouldn't be what, what I live for, you know? Years ago, I saw a, uh, uh, an actress, um, trying to think of her name. I know many of you probably know who she is, uh, isn't that terrible? I've done forgot her name. But anyway, she was like, her heyday was in the 40s and 50s. And uh, she was, she died a long time ago, and this was an old clip, but she was older by then. And she was sitting, and behind her, she had all these, like seven Grammys, like Best Actor Award, something like that. And she turned around, and she said, this is my whole life right here. Now, she said it in a way that I think she meant, you know, look at me. But my thought was, how sad. How, I, I don't mean to be ugly, but pathetic. You know, I mean, those, those things are probably in a box somewhere now. Nobody even knows who they belong to, right? And she has to stand before God someday. Maybe she's saved. I hope she was. But, but that's what I mean by, by temporal things. And, and certainly we can enjoy temporal things, but they are temporal. Uh, and uh, again, Jesus says there in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen? Those things, you know, they just, they're temporal. They won't do us any good when it comes to the things uh, eternal. And uh, so the second way we apply self-maintenance is realize that true prosperity is based on righteousness and mercy. Number three, look at verse 22. Look at verse 22. A wise man scaleth the city of the mighty and casteth down the strength of the confidence thereof. So number three, seek biblical wisdom, not physical strength. Read verse 22 again. A wise man scaleth the city of the mighty, casteth down the strength of the confidence thereof. 
Now, to properly understand this verse, we have to look at that word city and take it, uh, look at it uh, as a city of biblical times. In other words, we understand this was a city that was fortified. In other words, it was a walled city. Tall walls, thick walls, watchtowers, manned by, by guards, usually mighty men, you know, army-type guys that you know, would, would, would kill you if you tried to come up, those types of things. So that's the city that we're talking about here, something that would be very imposing in those days. You know, now you've got to try to take this city. But our verse says that one wise man can scale that wall and take that city. Now, of course, we're looking at this spiritually. So the, the fact is, is that when we talk about seek biblical wisdom, you need to understand that godly wisdom is unstoppable. You know, there's no defense against truth. Amen. I mean, it's, it's unstoppable. There's no defense against it. Uh, you know, that's why the truth of God shuts every mouth. Amen. I, I, I'm just telling you. Uh, and so it's not, it's not the wisdom of man, but it's godly wisdom. And it's not just men, but wise men and women, they, they can be a powerhouse, amen? And it's something the world cannot stand against. Um, uh, and certainly, you know, their history shows us that there are, are men and women who fear the Lord and, and live righteous life, and their strength is not in their personal might or strength, but in God. You know, I think I shared with you, I won't go into details about it, but every time I think about these types of things, I think about Carlos McLean, a man that was instrumental and first one to ever, ever really sit down and witness to me and, and, and help me to form what the Bible was teaching about salvation and those types of things. And he came into the place where, where I used to work. It was a bunch of roughnecks and hard cases, and here he is, this little mild-mannered man. And what's bad about it is he wasn't much older than I am now when he came. Back then I thought he was you know, an old guy. But he's a little bitty guy, and... Uh, uh, he came in there, and my first thought was, man, this, he won't last a day. They're going to swallow him up, you know. Uh, but, you know, over a period of time, just through, he never raised his voice, uh, but over a period of time, I'm going to say within about five or six years, people were getting saved, and that place had a complete turnaround, spiritually speaking. All the stealth, filthy stuff came off the walls. Uh, it, it was just amazing, you know, how God used it. And always look back at that little mild-mannered man that I saw coming down that aisle because he was wise and he was godly. Uh, and God used him in a mighty and powerful way. And uh, so, again, God protects. He empowers those, uh, in this case, to, to conquer the so-called uh, power of the world. And again, it's not their strength, not their personal might, but their faith and trust in God. So seek biblical wisdom, not physical strength. And then finally, number four, look at verse 23. It says, Whoso keepeth his mouth, his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Certainly, there's a lot of self-maintenance in holding your tongue in place. Amen. <laughs> you know, uh, you say, preacher, you sure talk about this a lot. Well, the book of Proverbs talks about it a lot. You know, it keeps bringing it up. So it must be important, right? Uh, once again, God addresses our speech, our words. Uh, you know, that would include our tone, our, you know, we have to be careful with these things. And, you know, certainly I, I fail in this area a lot. And so we have to guard our tongue against words that we regret saying later, you know. Um, I heard a story a preacher told one time about a lady that, that really hurt some people. She got angry, she got upset, said a lot of mean things. Later she regretted it. She was truly, sincerely remorseful, and she wanted to go back and make it right. 
And I don't remember exactly how the story went, but the preacher basically told her, it was back in the olden days, and, and he said, here's what I need you to do. He said, I need you to go up, take this feather pillow up to the top of this high hill and cut it open and spread the feathers out to the wind and let it go. She said, okay. So she went and done that. She come back and he said, now go gather them all back up. You see, once you hurt somebody, it, it's, it's hard to recover from that, isn't it? I mean, it's just a mess that you really can't clean. What I'm saying is the damage is done and the regret sets in. You see, the best way is just not to do it, right? Uh, and, and again, that takes wisdom. Boy, I fell in that area many times over the years. And you might be genuinely sorry that the damage, you know, is, is, you know, that it happened, but it is done. And so a wise person will not let their words get them in trouble. Uh, we have to be discerned enough to realize, first of all, what foolish speaking is, and then avoid it. And most of the time, foolish speaking comes from a desire of wanting to be heard. You know, we want people to know how I feel. Um, and uh, we just need to be careful with that, amen? Um, James 1.19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Amen. You know, we need to be, we need to be that way. We need to be, you know, we're the other way around. We're quick to speak. You know, we want to, you know, Get that out there, but the Bible says we need to be slow about that um, and, and listen to what's going on. Psalm 141 verse 3 says, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. In other words, Lord, help me to shut up. <laughs> I know that's, a, you know that's not a nice thing to say, but that's what that means. You know, is put your hand over your mouth. Stop speaking. Stop talking. Amen. Uh, and I know sometimes we just feel like we have to say something, but I think you'll find out. And if you've been around a little while, you, you know exactly what I'm saying. Um, one of the, the biggest ways we can maintain self-maintenance tonight is by simply holding our tongue. Amen. That can really cut off, cut off a lot of problems uh, in our life. So I'm going to ask you to stand. Brother Brad's going to get something for us uh, for invitation. If you're physically able, if you're not physically able, I'll certainly understand that. But I just want to give you a little chance to respond to what you've heard. Maybe come to the altar and do some business with the Lord. Certainly there's plenty of things on the prayer list that you can come and pray about. Maybe you got somebody on your heart and mind tonight. Maybe just a, something going on in your own life that you'd like to live up, lift up to the Lord. Certainly that's what the altar's for. Or maybe just some things in this message got a hold of your heart. Uh, all four of these I, I fail at at any given time of my life. But you might ask yourself, am I a good steward over what God gives me? And in other words, am I overemphasizing material things and neglecting spiritual things? Uh, am I really trusting God to meet my needs? Or am I neglecting God to take care of things He's already promised to take care of? Am I being a good steward?